Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of your of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 12, Rock of Ages. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon wants to go see the Rolling Stones at the Rose Bowl, but he can't because he has to go get impeached. But that doesn't happen because he chose Jesse to represent him at his hearing. Jesse asks that they dismiss the challenge altogether, and they're just like, yeah, okay. Brandon and Andrea <laughs> go to the concert while Jesse goes to work. Val gets sober with Dylan, but not like with Dylan. They agree to move that it's time to move away from each other and toward a healthier direction in life. Dylan does group therapy, during which bald Walmart Jack Torrance yells at him about his triggering hat. This guy actually has a name, and it's Charlie. And in addition to wanting to make Dylan stronger by being hard on him in group, he just also wants Dylan's hat. Claire invents internet trolling, talking shit about the Rolling Stones in a chat room for fans. Then she and David decide to use the tickets Mel has for some reason to go people watch at the concert. But Mel doesn't show up. Steve has a business meeting backstage at the show, but his name on the list. And to make matters worse, his wallet got stolen by a hippie. Uh, Donna and her bangs go to the Rolling show, Stones show with Ray, who gets them in for free with his friend's vendor passes. Before the show, Ray plays her a song on stage, complete with imaginary crowd noise until a roadie yells at them to fuck off. Oh, and Kelly was there too. Not like on stage, but like at the concert. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly was in the VIP area studying. She's reading about abnormal psych. She has a midterm, okay? I just like she's supposed to be doing this to like go talk to photographers and like network for her modeling and then she's like oh also I brought my abnormal psych book like yeah this girl is multitasking too much this like VIP backstage area is just so wild to me like it almost looked like Kelly was in like a um like a commentator's booth or something because, like, she wasn't really in the same area where eventually we see Steve come through, but she was. It was almost like there's this little booth, and then you just walk out into this little, like, I don't know, reception area, and there's Steve and all this chaos. And then it's so quiet where she's at, quiet enough to, like, be at a rock concert and study. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so weird. But I guess we'll start at the beginning and just, like, go chronologically through. Sounds good. So, yeah, it's midterms, and Brandon is listening to lectures about the French Revolution. And what does he call it? Monsieur Guillotine? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, yeah, Jim is downstairs just, like, blasting music on his stereo, which does feel very Jim to me. Yeah, and at least it's not him blasting his keyboard for the umpteenth <laughs> time. Oh my gosh, I would have laughed so hard if they came downstairs and just like handed him his headphones and were like, what did we tell you? <laughs> Inside voices, Jim. Inside. Because I guess if you think about it, everyone else at home is studying for midterms. Every single one of them. That's a good point. Like Cindy included there. Yeah. And then Jim is just like the bad roommate who's like, I don't want to <laughs> study. I want to party. He's David from last year. Oh my gosh, he is. <laughs> Except Jim presumably is not drinking meth, so. That's fair. 
can we talk about so he you know pulls out all of this tour swag from a client which makes me wonder who this client is yeah like is it the rose bowl is it the rolling stones (laughs) like it has to be somebody with enough connections to not only have the swag but also like have a bunch of tickets with VIP backstage passes and all that stuff. Also, yeah. The nerve of Brandon to be like, yeah, a bunch of t-shirts is great, but I want tickets. Yeah. He was acting so spoiled in this moment. He's like, um, thanks for the free stuff, dad. But I would like a free, probably at this time, like $300 to $500 ticket. Yeah, and Jim is just like, okay, I'll see what I can do. Yeah. And then, yeah, we get to see a bunch of clips of the Rolling Stones in concert, and I'm so glad that that's (laughs) what they spent all this real estate on instead of anything else. Like, I don't dislike the Rolling Stones, but I'm not seeking them out. Yeah, like, I got to be honest, I never really – like I know two of their songs probably like I recognized two of the songs one of them because it was on Guitar Hero and the other because it's probably the most famous Rolling Stones song but like I was never really into that kind of music so I didn't really care it's not that I dislike or like I just didn't care like it just wasn't like I know they're popular and people vibe and whatever but like mm, just not for me so I was like but why? Also, wait, randomly, on Taylor Swift's, what was it, Speak Now? No, that's not right. Uh, I don't remember what tour it was, but it was when Nate and I went to go see her in Nashville, and she had all of her, like, surprise people come out before, every, or, like, during every show. Mick Jagger was her surprise guest in Nashville. Yeah, it was so random, and he had so much energy in that tiny little 100-year-old body. <laughs> I'm like, pretty sure his secret is cocaine. Right? <laughs> Definitely. Like, he looked like a little, like, Freddie Mercury. Like, like just teeny. The teeniest and tiniest. Like, little booty. And just, like, an Energizer bunny just running back and forth, like, across the stage. It was so wild. I was like, why? <laughs> We're not there yet, but I'm Claire in this episode. And I just, <laughs> I don't like it at all. I just and feel free to send me hate. I hate the Rolling Stones. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. You can send that to our email address at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to tweet at me, that's fine too. It's at Mary D-M-M-A-R-Y-Y-D-E-E. <laughs> but like, honestly, I'm so curious because like, weren't the Stones kind of old in the 90s? Yeah, they started touring or like they started making music in the 60s and then they like had broken up or taken breaks or you know whatever in the 80s mm-hmm. and they got back together in 89 to go on what would end up i guess being this, this tour. tour nice yeah they so were it's like i like 50 oh wow at this point yeah, yeah like they, they were been... born in the 40s oh wow that's, that's wild like when Cindy says, I can't believe after all these years, people are still excited about the Rolling Stones. I was like, first of all, girl, you have no idea what yeah. the next 30 years have in store for you. But then second of all, like, yeah, like it, this yeah. is one of those times where I feel like it's very obvious that the writers were teenagers in the 60s. 
Sure. That makes sense. And I mean, to like, Ray makes a point later on where he's like, you got to like give the greats the respect or, or something like that. And it's like, on the one hand, they are objectively popular and were and I guess are. And so it's like, yeah, they did so much for music, you know, so much for rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. So I can respect that. It just wasn't my cup of tea. And so I'm really curious, like, what our listeners think about the Rolling Stones. Like, please tell us. I'm not even joking. And sure, Mary doesn't like them. I don't care about them. Ariel, where where do you fall? So, yeah, my mom was, like, really into – the best way I can describe it is the boy bands of rock and roll – Love it. So, okay. like, she was into the Rolling Stones. She was really into the Beatles. And, like, my parents were definitely the people that, like, when they bought their CDs in the 90s, they stopped buying CDs. They were like, <laughs> this is my music. I don't need anything else. Got it. And okay. so, like, yeah, my mom had, like, a six CD changer in her car. And I would bet at least two of them were the Rolling Stones at all times just because she was like, these are my CDs. This is what I listen to. Wow. So, like, I grew up on it, but it's not anything that I would really, like, write home about. Like, if I was going to choose bands from, like, the 70s, the 60s, all that kind of stuff, it'd be, like, the Beatles or Queen or something like that. Like, I would never pick the Rolling Stones. That's fair. That's fair. But I can appreciate. Yeah. And it's just wild that we have basically a bottle episode about the Rolling Stones. <laughs> the most expensive bottle episode to ever exist. Yeah, no like, kidding. I do wonder how like how they got this footage and how they were able to air it. Well, okay, so I looked it up. This episode aired in November. The Rolling Stones did go to the Rose Bowl in 94, like a month earlier. Oh, wow. So I can only assume that like – they planned out their season to be like, the Rolling Stones are actually going to be at the Rose Bowl. We can build an episode around it. We'll just have to like really push it. That's wild. Like I can't prove it, but it feels like the timing works out just well enough that like I buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially because like this show was arguably one of the most popular television shows on the air at the time. So this would almost be like Grey's Anatomy pulling you know, I'm trying to think of a really famous, like, mid-2000s band. I mean, they're still on the air, so it's like, it could be Olivia Rodrigo for all we care, but, like, <laughs> you know, like, it'd, it'd be like, like, Grey's Anatomy would have the pool to be able to get somebody of, like, really high caliber, and I'm equating that to probably how, be, like, 90210 was back in the day. Well, I mean, it's even, like, One Tree Hill. You said, like, they had <sighs> bands, like. They sure did. Yeah, I I would buy that this is like proto One Tree Hill. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's essentially a bottle episode. Like this whole episode, I think, takes place in the exact same. Like that was the night, but then the next day is just the day of the concert, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because like Kelly's looking at all of her photos. She's still like real deep in her feelings and scrutinizing every little bit of it to the point that when Brandon comes over, she's like, do not look at these photos. Yeah. And that made me kind of concerned because she says like, I just, you know, spent the last however long scouring over every little, um, what was the word she said? Imperfection. Yes. And I'm like, Kelly, no, you don't have any. Right. 
No, and she's got like the little like magnifying jeweler's loop kind of a thing. Like mm-hmm. she's getting in there to be like, you know, whatever is wrong. Like they show mm-hmm. us the photos and she looks beautiful. I mean, she is beautiful, right? Right, right. And yeah, that's where, you know, she finds out, we find out that she's going to the concert as VIP because the magazine wants photos of her doing stuff, I think. Um, And then she's talking about how she doesn't want to do it. And I guess this is where Brandon says that he would do it. But then she's like, I don't think they'd consider you for the cover of the swimsuit edition. That's only because they've never seen me in a thong. True. (laughs) That's kind of like I've seen this Twitter account where it's called True, I guess. And it like says all these like people tweeting these things and it's like true i guess <laughs> this is that moment <laughs> like i i love it i love it i love it like i don't want to see brandon walsh in a thong but yes. i also think it's hilarious that he said that no like he and kelly have such good chemistry together they really do like i i didn't think i would be this on board with their relationship but i'm like stupidly on board i i ship Brelly? I think that's what we were calling it. We we had Belly and Brelly and <laughs> I think we said we'd call them Branley when we were mad at them. Crandon. <laughs> Crandon. Crandon. <laughs> that was it. Crandon. <laughs> well, I'm not mad, so it's not Crandon. It is Brelly. <laughs> uh, I don't look forward to the day that we call them Crandon because you know what's going to come. I know, but you know what? I'm choosing optimism right now. I, I woke up today and chose optimism, and here we are. Yep. And then, so they start eating each other's faces. We thankfully leave that scene <laughs> to go to See You Later Entertainment. I love it. I'm so for this as well. Give me <laughs> give me type A, weirdly type A, Donna, as a producer, and then give me goofball, but like satire goofball claire and then give me just absolute himbo david (laughs) i know they call them dinosaurs and donna is just like stick to the script and they were like but we made changes to the script (laughs) and she's like oh guys (laughs) for okay they were 100 correct though oh 100 yeah it was oh my god i loved it so much i loved that moment and then like they're just snickering in the booth and being adorable like, also being so adorable that's the thing if, if we can say that Brelly has chemistry so does Clavid <laughs> <laughs> dare dare yeah it's dare um yeah but that's just a means to get us to like Ray like vehemently disagreeing <laughs> with their opinions about the Rolling Stones which of course of course he feels this way I know I I gotta be honest, like, I'm liking Ray, too. He's better in this episode because this is him being passionate about something in a healthy way, not yeah. in, like, a weird kind of scary way. Well, and even when uh, he and Donna are, like, on stage later and she's like, oh, this could be you, he doesn't do a whole, like, no, don't talk me up. Yeah, he's like, oh, my God, this is a dream. Like, let me try, you know? like. I'm- yeah, it's it's cuter. And and plus, like, he's, like, he clearly has all this passion about the Stones. And then Donna's, like, I've never, like, heard them. I've never really listened to them. And then he's, like, oh, my God, you got to go. And, like, I 
so relate to that, like wanting to share a passion with somebody else. Like, and he's like, I'm going to take you. We're going to go. And I thought that was cute. I loved it. I I also, at that point, I wrote that like Ray has tickets to the show and he's taking Donna. And then later when he's like, I don't have tickets. I was like, wait, what? I know. I, I thought they were going to sneak in. Which I kind of would have been so cool with. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But I mean, before that, like we have to, you know, establish where the entire gang is in relation to this concert. So like we have this other small moment where Cindy is with Kelly and Andrea in the student union talking about midterms and like my little heart melted. I freaking love that Cindy is taking a genetics class. I I don't know why, but I love it. Like it just makes so much sense to me that Cindy is doing this like master's degree in psychology. So she's got the hybrid of the medical stuff with Andrea and the psychology stuff with Kelly. So like the three of them can just be little study buddies. I love it so much. It's so cute. I love it. And then, yeah, she pulls out VIP first row all access passes that Jim just happened to go back and get. And she's like, oh, have you seen Brandon? (laughs) Like, so casually. And all of a sudden, like, thank God he appears because who knows when Cindy would have been able to get those tickets to him. But then Brandon doesn't even really seem all that excited. I know. Which, I mean, I guess is a good thing because, like, we follow Brandon out of the scene, which is when he runs into Alex and finds out that the congressional board hearing thing got moved from Friday night, which was rude anyway. Like, who does this on Friday night? Mm -hmm. Um, And then it got moved to tonight, the same Mm -hmm. night as the concert, because we find out that there are actual federal judges doing this. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this is legitimately Law & Order 90210. This is what I asked for. (laughs) That's so true. You did ask. You manifested that, you know, 30 years after the fact, but you manifested it. You know what? Sometimes this show's writers, like, I got to give them the credit. They knew what I wanted and they provided it to me. Like, that's true. Jesse even shows up to argue his case. Oh my God. When we see later the scene where they all walk into the, like, I don't, what student senate conference area? Yeah, I guess so. When they walk in and, like, Jesse's in that suit and he puts his, like, briefcase on the table and then, like, pans over to, like, where the judges are. Nate has no context for what's been going on. And he was like, wait, is this student government? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, they hired actual lawyers? (laughs) I was like, no, no, no. Jesse's not an actual lawyer. He's in law school. And he's like, but he looks so old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you have to learn. Like, they're all taken out of context here. All these folks look old. (laughs) They're all basically our age, pretending they're not. Exactly. It It was funny. I get it. Yeah, I get it too. What did you think of Diaz being like, Brandon, we don't have to go through all of this. You can just resign and then next year we'll back you for another office. So number one, my first thought is that's a brilliant political move there because like that's really clear that Alex doesn't actually care that Brandon's president, period. He just cares that Brandon's president right now. Because he just wants the power right now. And and then the second piece to that is the only reason Brandon decides to go through with the hearing is pride. He doesn't want to be president. 
No, he doesn't. Brandon doesn't care at all, but yet he can't just let it go. Now, it's been so interesting to me this season how many times Brandon's like, I don't want this job, and then fights to keep it. Exactly. And, like, I understand the pretense is supposed to be that he's trying to, like, honor Josh's memory and, like, continue what they started and things like that. But it's very clearly causing him stress, causing him anxiety, and forcing him to care about things he otherwise wouldn't care about or at least wouldn't, like, really notice. So why not just give it up? Why not just end it? Right? Like, you literally have an out right here, which, you know, I think is interesting. I kind of wish they had mentioned, like, some sort of new proposal. Like, there's nothing in the student senate constitution thing about, you know, uh, succession planning. So let's put something in there, and the next party's runner-up is the one that gets the thing, and that just happens to be Alex. Like, I kind of wish they had thrown something like that in. No, I agree. I mean... The problem is there's no accurate succession plan, or at least one that exists. So let's make one. That that should be the solution, not, okay, let's just keep it status quo based on a technicality. Yeah, like, it. I appreciated, you know, Alex and Janice, and especially Janice getting to, like, argue the other side. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really wish, like, instead of the amount of Rolling Stones footage that we got, that we got them, like, proposing... Like, we have a, a plan that we can put in place, but we can't do anything until Brandon is out of office. Right. Exactly. No, I agree. And and plus, I also really appreciate, like, I guess maybe we can go ahead and wrap up, like, the Brandon government side of things because um, then everybody else is, like, together. But I also really appreciated how Janice and Alex, for that matter, but mostly Janice was, like, telling Brandon how it's not personal, telling Brandon that, like, let me get to my notes about it, but she essentially was trying to say that, like, she doesn't really actually, like, this is just how it works. Like, this, like, I, she's more aware of the politics, she's more aware of the rules, she's more aware of the laws, has nothing to do with Brandon. This would have happened regardless of who had become, quote-unquote, president after Josh's death. This is just how it is. But she actually kind of likes Brandon and she understands where he's coming from and like yada, yada, yada. And that's, to me, very consistent from last episode when we saw how she obviously has her own thoughts and feelings and opinions, but is not opposed to hearing the other. Like, and is still very respectful to hearing the other side, too. She just still feels the way that she feels. Yeah, I think Janice, like, I don't know that we'll ever see her again, but I think in the future she's actually going to make a really good lawyer. Totally. Totally. Because, yeah, yeah, those exact reasons, like, where she's like, look, there is precedent or lack thereof. This mm-hmm. is the rules. Like, you know, I believe very strongly that we need to follow a precedent and not just, like, buck everything just because, you know, something happened. And I'm going to do that. Yeah. And she calls for, like, another election, which that makes a lot of sense to go ahead and have another general election to make sure that this is what the people want. Um, I mean, she didn't say it. And, and like you said, we could have potentially have gone through it if we had not had all the all the other scenes that we had. But they could have even done it to where there's no campaigning involved. There's literally just you have the same exact ballot that you had before and you go vote. And mm-hmm. 
does Josh being there change your mind or not? You know, like whatever that may be. And maybe that could have helped. But um, but yeah, then Jesse gets to have his lawyer moment. Okay. So there are, according to the wiki, there are three deleted scenes from this episode. And the wiki, like, kind of gave a little, like, short blurb for each of them. And one of them like happens in the other storyline, but Brandon is in it. And that's when Brandon gets a call from Jesse and they decide to meet in Brandon's office on campus to go over their strategy, which like, I don't think we necessarily needed. I'm kind of fine that they took it out, but I was a little shocked when Brandon showed up to this with a lawyer. (laughs) Yeah, same. I was too. I was like, wait, why does he need one? Right? Yeah. I was like, I had a moment, and then I was like, oh, my God, Jesse is actually doing the thing I wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just feel like Jesse and Janice could make really good lawyer friends. They totally could. I agree with that. Gosh, there's a lot of J's in this show, aren't there? <laughs> uh, and then they go inside, and Alex Diaz, who literally, I swear to God, he always has to make it about race. This is when he makes that comment that Jesse is like representation of color. And I do really appreciate Brandon being like, I thought I just hired the best attorney available. Yeah, I appreciate that too. Which, to be fair, is the only attorney he knows. I almost said that, but like, <laughs> as Gretchen Wieners would say, irregardless. <laughs> <laughs> and like, ugh, I just... It felt like Jesse, Andrea, and Brandon were really clicking. Mm-hmm. And like Andrea's had, you know, some pretty bad looks recently. So I just loved when they sat down and Andrea like leans forward and is like, here are the judges that y'all are up against. Yeah, for sure. Which I think is hilarious that like, of course, Andrea knows not just who the judges are, but what they're about. I love that. I know. I, I think they said what all three were, but I only wrote two down. It was the one guy who answered his pages in the middle of the whole thing that teaches constitutional law. And then the woman handles sexual discrimination lawsuits. I feel like they mentioned the other one, but I didn't write it down. So oops. I I only talked about two. Hmm. Yeah. So they start arguing and Janice has the whole like, yeah, Brandon illegally seized the presidency for his own aggrandizement, which I just loved her big 10 cent words. Oh, yeah. And that's when Constitutional Judge takes a break for a page and says, like, oh, it was for my mother. But I was just like, what is happening here? Like, this man does not care. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's when Brandon's like, I called every meeting to order even though I didn't have quorum. I still did the job. And Jesse's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. You did what now? And then his wheels start turning. Yeah, and did you see they have like a tiny little handshake? Oh, in the yeah. next scene? I loved that. I, I loved, loved that. it so much. Yep. Because yeah, Brandon's basically just like, "You're the lawyer. I trust you to do what you're gonna do." Mm-hmm. And then yeah, Jesse's basically like, "Well, since Brandon's been doing the job of president, he should be the president." And so they said, "Okay," and he wins. That was so weird to me. Like, of course, Brandon was gonna win. Like, I mean. I can't sit sit here and be like, I'm surprised that Brandon is still the president. But I also didn't realize it was going to be that simple. (laughs) I thought it was going to be a lot harder based on, like, all of the stuff that Alex Diaz and Janice and everybody went through 
in order to make sure he's not president. Yeah, I was legitimately expecting like Law and Order 90210 to be a full episode and not mm-hmm. just like five minutes. Like Brandon even makes it to the concert in time to watch some of it. <laughs> I know. And like Brandon didn't even realize he won. He like Jesse wins the thing, it's over, and he's like, so wait. I'm still the president. <laughs> I just, I love how quickly it wraps up. Cause even Jesse's like, I got to go to work. Bye. Yeah. And then like Alex walks up and is like, Hey, no hard feelings, I guess. A and lot then of- leaves. Like it's just- fine. I'm sorry, Alex. Personally, a lot of hard feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like just the so idea, wild. the idea that all of them just like, Accept it and walk away. And, like, Jesse took a shift at the uh, bar. Brandon kept his tickets and then takes Andrea with him. Like, he didn't even give the tickets to anybody else. He kept them. Yeah. He's like, if I can't go, no one can. (laughs) Jim, I know I made you go all the way back to your client and ask for more. But now that I can't have them, I just want them to go to waste. Exactly. God. But, yeah, and so – you know, outside of all of that, we still have a little bit of Dylan to deal with, and we have like a little bit of other concerty stuff. So, you know, like I guess with Dylan, you know, the first thing we see with him, it's him and Val, mm-hmm. and they're outside of the rehab facility that Dylan has been in. Yeah. And this is where she brought all that candy and gum and stuff. And at first, I thought it was for him. Because I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you quit doing things. You need, like, an oral fixation. So you start chewing gum or you start smoking cigarettes. But that's not what Dylan does. Mm -hmm. But then she says it's for her. And she's (laughs) not, like, doing anything anymore. And I wrote in my notes, I was like, Valerie's turning into an avocado head. She so is. Yes. And, like, she's like, I'm detoxing just like you. (laughs) I love every – like, Dylan feels like he's getting back to himself because I love every time other people are like, I'm dealing with hard things too. He's just like, yes, you are, and I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ugh, that's so funny. I can't believe, like, A, she's turning into an avocado head, and B, Dylan is getting back to Dylan. Thank God. I have missed actual Dylan. Side note, before – like, in one of my many pauses that I had to do today for the episode, at one point, Nate was like, who do you think is the most objectively attractive person on the show? And my first thought was Luke Perry. And then my second thought was then probably Jenny Garth and Tiffany Thiessen, just objectively. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, well, what about today? And I was like, I am zeroing 100%. Because like, and then Nate looked him up. He's like, wait, how do you spell that? And of course, I was like, it's like Ian, la la la. And then he looked him up. He's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know. And he goes, arguably better than when he was on the show. And I was like, yeah. So, anyhow, that's why. Something about his eyebrows. Yeah. And his body and his face and everything else. (laughs) Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Steve is attractive. Like, I think Steve's body is attractive. His personality, especially in this episode, like, crushes me. It's not good. No, it's not. He does have one good moment. One yeah. one very fun moment, but that's later. Um yeah. cuz yeah, we're not even talking about Steve right now. We're talking about Dylan and 
you know, Valerie tells him that she went into his house, she found his stash, and she flushed it. And I thought it was very fascinating that Dylan was like, oh, you were scared I was going to use it. And she was like, no, I was scared the cops were going to find it. That surprised me, actually. Yeah. Because I think, I guess it was, was it last episode or the episode before where she did that? I think it was last episode, was it? I think it, yeah, I think it was too, because his dealer shows up. Yeah. I thought it was because she didn't want him to be around the drugs. Same. I totally did. They, they did a little uh, misdirect there. Well, and it was kind of a parallel to when Dylan helped David flush the drugs, like right before the cops showed up. True. Like, I already thought it was like, oh, it's it's the magical toilet that we throw all of our drugs in. Mm-hmm. But then, like, it's literally the same reason. And she's like, I don't want the cop showing up. Exactly. But then, at least, like, Dylan has the wherewithal to be like, look, if I'm quitting everything else, I got to quit you too. And that means you have to, like, get on with your life without me in it. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And, like, she handles it pretty well. Uh, so the next thing after uh, Valerie and Dylan break up is actually a deleted scene. Ooh. Yeah. So it says, at the Peach Pit, Steve tells Nat he wants to call the new club the Voodoo Lounge, which is the name of the Rolling Stones tour they're doing right now, by the way. Okay. Um, and that his father, who is financing it, has said that Dylan must not have anything to do with it. Nat is hesitant, but suggests they go and visit Dylan to tell him. Steve says he has a meeting with Claudette Wells of the Stones organization today about the new club and won't be able to go. Willie, the cook, tells him a message came earlier postponing the meeting. Oh. Kind of explains some stuff, right? A wee bit. I mean, yeah, the whole time I was like, who is Claudette Wells and why do we care about her? And why did Willie go to rehab with them? Yeah. I mean, I still don't know why Willie went to rehab with them, but, like, at least Willie was mentioned in the deleted scene. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then we get the scene that's actually in it of the Rose Bowl and Ray and Donna, which we kind of talked about before. But then there's another deleted scene. It says, at the Peach Pit, Brandon tells Kelly about his hearing being changed and tells her he'll try to join her before the concert ends. He offers his tickets to Valerie, but she says she has to study. Oh, okay. So I take back what I said earlier. (laughs) So Steve thanks him for the offer, so I guess Brandon then tried to offer them to Steve. Okay. Steve thanks him for the offer, but says he's going to meet Claudette Wells and sit in the VIP section. He tells Kelly he has a limo and she can ride with him. Brandon gets a phone call from Jesse and they decide to meet in Brandon's office to go over strategy. Yeah. A lot of, lot of filling in the blanks here. Right? Like, that explains so much. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah. And then after this, the next thing with Dylan is when Nat and Steve go to Dylan to get him to sign the paperwork to divest from the Peach Pit After Dark slash the Voodoo Lounge. Now it all makes sense. Yeah. And then Willie is there and, like – it makes a lot more sense because it was like, why did Willie show up just to be like, Dylan, you look like shit and I feel bad for you. Totally. Yeah. I was like, Willie, why are you here other than to like maybe like just support Nat? Like I, like I couldn't come up with a good reason. Yeah. Same. 
And I also thought it was interesting, totally unrelated to the peach pit, like business side of it, is that like Dylan has found this place, presumably with the help of his mother, who is very like hippie and new age and like, you know, healing and all that stuff. But he talks about how his therapy is a throwback to the 60s and it's very confrontational. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are, are we talking positively about therapy in the 60s? It was, yeah. It didn't seem, like, to your point, it didn't seem like the kind of place that Iris would, like, help him get into or, like, encourage him to go to. This didn't seem like it was part of Iris's Rolodex. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's just, it was very odd, and he seemed very excited about this, like, confrontational therapy. I was like, I don't know, maybe it's just me personally, but I was like, I would, I would quit my therapist in a heartbeat if she started like getting up in my face like Charlie did and Charlie's not a therapist but like if that ever happened to me where I'm supposed to be in like a safe space and be able to like you know deal with my issues Mm -hmm. I'd be packing my bags yeah 100% yeah you can't treat other members of your group that way when you're in group therapy like and the whole time that was happening, like, that therapist just didn't do shit. And I was like, I know. your job is to control this room and you're not doing it. Why won't you do your job? No, she didn't do anything. Because, yeah, like, my next Dylan thing is Dylan is at his first group therapy and Charlie's being a dick and trying to force Dylan to participate and tell all of his secrets and, like, says, and I quote, another overprivileged meltdown. I love having rich boys for dinner. Like, it was even to the point where I couldn't even tell who the therapist was. Like, because she didn't do anything. Well, yeah, she seemed like one of them. Like, by the the way she was letting Charlie speak to Dylan, but then also the fact that Charlie was speaking so much and, like, not allowing the other people to speak. I was like, wait, are you? Or is this literally, like, a group therapy session where you're just – the participants of the program and you're there is no therapist like it was it was weird yeah I don't know and I get the feeling that as long as Dylan's gonna be in this rehab facility that we're gonna see a lot more of Charlie and like they're gonna end up being really close Mm -hmm. which is like wild to me because I'm like this is not the way I want this character introduced to me yeah I agree And, like, it keeps happening. Like, the next thing that we see, they're still in group therapy, and Charlie hates Dylan's hat because it represents being cool, getting high, and partying, and, like, how it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And, like, Dylan, you know, is very Dylan and, like, kind of confrontational back to him of being like, I can listen to this music when I'm high and when I'm not. It still sounds the same to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at first I was like, why are you being so aggressive about a hat? And then I was like, wait a minute, is the hat, like, triggering Charlie or something? Which you come to find out, like, yes, it absolutely is. Yeah. And, like, everyone says that after Charlie storms out. hmm But then he goes to Dylan's room later and, like, tries to make nice. And it's like, oh, if you need more pillows, you got to talk to this person. Like, I've been here a lot. And, like, it's weird because he's like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger And that he's impressed by Dylan because nobody's ever stood up to his bullying, I guess. I hate the trope of bullying 
well, I hate bullying, period, but I hate when film or, or just media in general uses bullying as a positive thing. Like, in no way, shape, or form is bullying good. Like, the whole, which, granted, I guess I should back up and say this is a very old school way to think, right? Tough love, dominance, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's the thing it's the opposite of positive reinforcement it's like i guess negative reinforcement or something or or something it's like punishing and and things like that to be able to then elicit a response that then puts them in the direction you want them to go in right like this is such an old school way to think and i just don't ever think that bullying is acceptable and i don't think that's the wrong opinion <laughs> right yeah it just it feels like it feels very old school and like you know men aren't allowed to be vulnerable and show emotions so we just get angry instead mm-hmm. and like everyone is supposed to just be able to intuit what's actually going on with Charlie's life and like yeah no one ever says like that hat is triggering to me because i associate rock and roll with drugs and it makes me you know really have those cravings and urges that i'm here to fight Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. And then like at the end of this with Charlie, he says like, I'm 42. And he basically says, I'm scared if I don't get it right this time, I'm going to die. Like this is my last chance. Right. Which like, you know, maybe you don't feel comfortable saying that in the group setting, but you don't have to like start a fight and like he's like pushing Dylan very meanly. Like yeah. He's just being aggro. Yeah, totally. I, I wrote down like he's being super aggressive for – Without explanation. And not that, like, it would have rationalized the situation, but it at least would have explained the behavior instead of just us assuming, like, oh, this guy is just, like, really aggressive and really mean. And, like, we just have to assume what's going on. Well, and it feels very, like, I don't want to say, you know, a cop-out or, like, easy writing or something, but it feels kind of cheap to just make him angry and then Charlie storms out of the scene and like you don't give him the agency to explain why he feels what he feels yeah other people do it for him Mm -hmm. and it just so happens that those people are women and then it you know reinforces all like women have the emotions men have to hide everything I don't know well and even just the interpretation of those feelings too like that that it takes a woman to not only just have the emotions but understand the emotion yeah no I it's fine we'll see Charlie (laughs) more I'm sure he you know apparently gets over all of these triggers and asks to borrow the hat. Which is so weird. Yeah. And I mean, like, Dylan gives it to him, which is fine, because he didn't look good in the hat. <laughs> but I was like, that's another one of just, like, I was fighting you over this for all of group, and all of a sudden I'm over it. Can I have your hat? Yeah. It was just, ugh. If he's wearing it, he doesn't have to look at it. That's a good point. It's an excellent point. That's very point. fair. <laughs> also, he looks better with the hat on. He does. True. Also with true. it off. Yeah, also I true. noticed that for sure. But I guess on the bright side, because after we're done with, I mean, we talked about Dylan, so we're done with Dylan. But if we go back to chronological order. The next thing we see is the beach apartment, and you hear <laughs> phone. You're like, oh, the phone's ringing. The no, no, no. It is dial-up internet, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I love that she says, I'm online with Delphi Online. Like yes. She says it so explicitly. And then I Googled it, and it's still around. Is it really? 
Yes. I Googled it and I was like, I just stopped myself because I paused the episode to look it up and then Mm -hmm. I almost like went down a rabbit hole to be like, well, I'm just going to join some chat rooms. Oh my gosh. But like, there's a live chat forum. I mean, this takes me back because like we, like, I think my first experience with like chat rooms or whatever was AOL, right? Like that's, that was for our age groups first internet live chat forum type situation um but man it takes me back just chatting with random people like how did our parents let us do this <laughs> i remember i had i had the aol kids account yeah so yeah. i could only talk to other kids and i don't remember what we said and i remember like our computer at the time because it moved downstairs and we finished the basement but at the time it was in like the library slash office, which was right off of my parents' room. So like they could literally just walk in and read everything that I wrote, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is the only reason I was allowed online. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so Claire just like decides to chat back to these people because they look at this like Rolling Stones forum. And she's being such a little troll. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. She's being so mean. But then everyone comes back at her like very sexist and is just like, oh my God, you're such a girl. Girls don't like rock and roll. At which point I was like, Claire could talk shit. Claire could, yes. Because she would like, she would talk the kind of shit that would insult someone's intelligence and like you don't even know you're being insulted. <laughs> she was, she was really good at like truly, I think she invented trolling on the internet. Mm-hmm. She and totally that, trolls. I thought it was hilarious that like, like she's very clearly like sitting in David's lap at the computer, which also brought me back. Like, mm-hmm. not that I had boyfriends to sit on their lap, but I remember like I used to go over to my friend Lauren's house and they only had the one chair. So I would sit in her lap while we would be on the internet. A hundred percent. And then we'd be like, switch, 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 my turn. Or like, you know, like, wait, I want to do something. And then you just switch. Like, wild. <laughs> And then, yeah, David's just like, oh, I was actually offered tickets to the show. My dad got them. And he's and she's like, wait, wait, really? Like, she gets all excited for a second. And you're like, oh, Claire, you're not a Closet Stones fan. I, I kind of hoped that she would say that. That she was like, I mean, I kind of like the Stones. And mm-hmm. then, like, before they go to the concert, she comes out in, like, a Stones shirt with a Stones hat. And him be like, oh, did you just get that from Kelly and Brandon? She's like, no, what? Brandon had stuff? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But no, she just wants to go and, like, essentially treat this like a zoo (laughs) and go see what the wildlife is like. Yeah, she wants to go people watching. Definitely not the Rolling Stones. Just the fans. Yeah, just the fans. And then, yeah, we start seeing, like, everybody get to the show. Like, Ray and Donna are there. Now they're inside the venue. And this is where he, like, he takes her on stage and then picks up a guitar and starts playing it. And I was like, bro, you're getting kicked out. Mm Mm-hmm. They, they don't just say, like, hey, don't touch that. Right. And, like, also, why would the guitars just be sitting there? I don't know. <laughs> but, like, yeah, he, he picks it up. He starts singing. They, you know, pump in fake cloud, crowd noise. Donna's like, oh, my God, this could be you. <laughs> and then he gets yelled at and they run away. It was really unfortunate because I was actually, like, wanting to get a little bit more like I don't know I wanted to hear Ray sing a little bit more because like the first song we heard him sing was that silly Halloween 
weird song. So I'm like, oh, maybe he'll like sing an actual ballad and he starts singing. But then all you hear, at least all I could focus on, was the piped in crowd noise. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> like he's got a very breathy voice. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Very, very 90s. Very, very 90s. 90s. And then, yeah, you pump in this crowd noise and all of a sudden I hear that over him singing. And like it it could have been so cute because he was like, this is for you, Donna. And then she just stands there while he serenades. Mm-hmm. But you just hear like clapping and screaming and and then he gets yelled at. <laughs> and then they just leave. It's fine. Yeah. And then we go back outside. Also, before I do that, I want to say like I love how chill – Donna is when like they get to the concert and they're at the concert before he's like oh I don't have tickets we're working and she's just (laughs) like oh okay cool I know she's so go with the flow which is a lot better than how she was with Griffin because I feel like she was always on edge and now granted like she wouldn't have been super chill if Ray had like tried to put her on a plane and take her somewhere overnight and like all this stuff but you could tell like she trusts him a lot more and she's like more safe around him which she's already had like the talk with him about the fact that she wants to stay a virgin and all this kind of stuff and even though he reacted with oh that's weird like at least he didn't like he didn't start treating her negatively because of it so it's Mm -hmm. very clear that she's just like okay you're not gonna put me in a bad situation let's go do it yeah And, like, yeah, I think there's something to be said about the fact that this is kind of the first guy that she's dated that has legitimately respected her saying, I don't want to have sex. Totally. And, like, not continued to, like, pressure but think they're not pressuring or even subtly pressure or, like, be passive-aggressive about it. They're just existing. And that's great. Yeah. And, like, yeah, she felt comfortable enough to say this to him. Like, I think they've definitely, because she felt comfortable enough to tell him and then he felt comfortable enough to be like yeah that's cool and I'm not gonna pressure you about it like I think it makes a lot more sense that he's like I want to take you to the Rolling Stones concert and she's like yeah let's go and then when they get there he like flips it on her and is like just kidding we have to work before we watch the concert but we get in for free and she's like that's an amazing deal (laughs) yeah which so true I would absolutely do that if some guy or some guy if Nate had been like (laughs) (laughs) if Nate had done that and been like sorry like I can't take you to my favorite or your favorite band because I don't have tickets but we're gonna get in this way and it's gonna be legit like it's still gonna be legit I'd be like yeah sure let's do it let's get as close as we possibly can yeah now I one of my friends was like right after college she dated this guy who like he and his friends didn't work a food truck full time, I don't think, but they worked one during festivals. So like maybe somebody else worked it and then he just went and helped out with festivals. But like they would do the festival circuit and go in and like he'd put in a shift at the food truck and then get to go watch a bunch of bands for free. And I was like, man, and he's just like making sandwiches. Like I need an in like that because I would make sandwiches for a couple of hours if it meant getting in to go see people for free. Oh, a hundred percent. Totally would. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess, speaking of free, here comes every other kid in the gang who got free tickets to this concert. Everyone got free tickets. Wild. Yeah, so Kelly and Steve arrive in the limo that we then find out is Steve's because of the deleted scene. I originally thought it was Kelly's. Oh, yeah, that would have made more sense. Yeah, 
Uh, and then Claire and David come up because they're waiting for Mel to bring them their tickets, but he hasn't shown up yet. And then, yeah, Kelly like runs into VIP because she sees her photographer and then Claudette Wells didn't leave Steve a ticket. So he has to go find his, at which point he runs into quote unquote, a hippie. <laughs> I didn't really think that man looked like a hippie. He looks more like a redneck to me. But yeah, we find out like five seconds later that he stole Steve's wallet which then, like, Steve spends the whole rest of the night trying to get into the concert. And I was like, shouldn't you be trying to, like, cancel your credit cards? <laughs> no, Steve doesn't care about money. I mean, literally, he does not care about money. The next scene we see with the concert is him outside the fence, like, on the verge of tears, shaking this fence, begging Donna to help him get in. God, it was... So annoying. He was like legitimately whining like a toddler. Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, he's about to cry. He's whining. This is not a good look for him. And then Ray, who like, I don't know if he knows, you know, Ray's social standings, but Ray's like, yeah, I'll help you get in. And Steve's like, oh, great. A hundred bucks and I can scalp mm -hmm. a ticket. Mm -hmm. It's like, bro, this man is working. Do you think he has a hundred dollars? Right. And like that he's just going to give you. Exactly. Like that, again, just shows how unaware Steve is about this kind of stuff. But then Ray, this is a great episode for Ray, I got to admit, because mm -hmm. he's just yeah. like, nah, dude, I'll help you out. Like, whatever. Like, let's go. <laughs> like, Come on, man. And then he does. And he gets him in as a little ice cream vendor. <laughs> and I like truly the best part of steve in this episode is when he's the ice cream vendor and he's talking and the kid's like hey can i get some ice cream and he's like no but then he does that little like head thing and then just runs away with his ice cream to go change he's like i gotta go change <laughs> just runs oh like, man just those like little moments like what was it last week where he was like duh like mm -hmm. the little steve moments are so redemptive I know. That's why I want, like, a legit storyline for him because, like, clearly he can do a lot with a little. So imagine what he could do with a lot. Yeah, because, I mean, like, you know, we find out Claire and David are still stuck outside. Mel's not answering his pager. Claire's having a horrible night. She just wants to go home. And then we cut over to Steve, who's, like, found his way to the VIP section. Is like, that's me, Steve Sanders. And the guy's like, you don't have your ID. And then Kelly comes up and is like, who are you? Ha-ha. <laughs> Get him, Kelly. I love it. And I love that, like, he comes and he's like, I'm starving. I had to sit outside with the normal people. And it's just like, I don't remember what it was. It was like salmon pate or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's like shoving it into his mouth. And then we meet Claudette for five seconds. Yeah, I was like, who the heck is Claudette? And then we meet her and she's all, like, bubbly and just wants to not be right there. She just wants to go and wants to dance and seems like okay kelly take my platter back like but leave me the apple swan yeah, <laughs> yeah. that tickled oh, me so much because <laughs> he's like the apple but then i didn't i thought it was like literally an apple and then kelly's holding the tray and it's an apple cut into the shape of a swan mm -hmm. and so yeah i'm just picturing steve like Dancing with Claudette with, like, a little swan in his hand. He's holding it up like a tray and just, like, taking a bite every now and then. I seriously thought that was an avocado, like, oh. carved into a swan. And I was just imagining Steve holding an avocado swan. <laughs> <laughs> just 
doing business backstage at the show. <laughs> I mean, he is an avocado head, so you are what you eat. <laughs> oh, he really is. And then, yeah, like, the episode ends with us just watching a bunch of scenes of everybody, like, at the concert listening to music. Mm-hmm. And there's a deleted scene that we didn't get. At the Peach Pit, all the gang is gathered to relive the excitement of the concert. Brandon and Andrea arrive just in time to hear the final songs. Steve tells them that he was so impressed with the music that he decided against trying to commercialize it. Don't know what that means. Someone says they saw David and Claire rushing out to find an all-night record store so they could stock up on Rolling Stone CDs. Steve recognizes, quote-unquote, Little Richard coming in for a burger. He crosses to him with a proposition about lending his name to the club. The rock star turns on his heels and dashes towards the exit. Everyone cracks up at Steve. Oh, man. Okay, I swear I saw online that Little Richard had a credit in this episode and then was really confused when I didn't see him. Yeah, if you, I don't know if it's the IMDb picture, but you, if you look at the 90210 wiki, the picture is Little Richard and Steve. And I got to the end of the episode and I don't read the synopses or anything until after I watch the episode because I don't want things spoiled. And I had to go back and this like synopsis of this episode is even collapsed. So I expanded it and then I read the whole thing with the deleted scenes and I was like, now why would they do that? (laughs) That's hilarious though. Like also Little Richard, that just makes me think of the episode of Full House where Little Richard's on it. I don't know if you guys remember that. But he, like, plays in the basement um, with Jesse and the Rippers. And, like, Michelle gets to sing and Stephanie gets, like, it's so cute because um, little Richard in Full House is Denise, like, Michelle's friend Denise's uncle. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And, of course, we all know and love Denise. She's Journey Smollett. And, like, yeah. I just so little Richard definitely was a 90s boy. <laughs> Very popular in the 90s cuz apparently he made his rounds to full house and 90210. I just feel like if they had put in all these deleted scenes instead of the 90210 or instead of the Rolling Stone show, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't have had to pull this from streaming. Probably cuz like I had to buy the 90210 Ultimate Connect collection and I'm not mad about it. But, like, in this age of streaming, I don't want to have to go get my DVDs out. Yeah, that was so weird having to do that. I was like, how am I going to do this? And he's like, (laughs) PlayStation? I was like, oh, we do have a thing that plays DVDs. (laughs) Yeah, like, imagine if you don't, like, what if you get to a point where you're just like, I don't have a DVD player. Do I have to go to buy a DVD? Do they make DVD players still? That's the thing. I don't know. Because, like, they took them out of the... They took them out of laptops. Like, there's no DVD slash CD drive now, so. I'm pretty sure, like, when Michael and I first moved to this apartment in 2015, we bought a tiny DVD player just to watch stuff on while we were waiting for our internet to get turned on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it only, like, literally lasted, like, a couple, like, months before it just stopped working. Wow. Yeah. So I feel like they make them and they suck. (laughs) Um, okay, so you want a little fun fact? Yes. And this is, like, probably a bullshit fun fact that I just have made up on my own. But like I said at the beginning of the episode, um, the the Rolling Stones really were touring at this time and really did come to the Rose Bowl, like, a month before this episode aired. 
So I looked up the tour to see who they toured with when they were at the Rose Bowl to see who else the gang would have seen. They saw like a blues guitarist named Buddy Guy, which is really like the name Buddy Guy. (laughs) But the other opening act was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. (gasps) Wow. Wow. The 90s Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, damn, this was a good concert. Right? Like, I did not get free tickets to concerts all that often. Like, my dad worked at a company that had a box, so every now and then, like, I'd get real lucky and we'd get the Britney Spears tickets. Oh, the dream. Yeah. No, I, like, it was on the tail end of everyone's careers, or, like, not Britney, but, you know, I saw NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, like, at the tail end right before they broke up because, like, my dad had finally made it to a high enough status that when, like, the email went out and was, like, we don't have anyone we want to take to this, he was, like, I will take those Backstreet Boys concert tickets and then me and my dad would go see the Backstreet Boys. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh, my first concert was Good Charlotte. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's so good. I was 13 years old and I was in the pit and I went with my best friend at the time, Rachel, and her dad. Her dad was like our protector in the pit. He had to come to the Good Charlotte concert. And who opened? It was um, Eve Six and it was um, Goldfinger, I think it was. And you know, their song is like the only one I knew at the time was because they were on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah, it was great. Good Charlotte was so good. <laughs> Tony oh Hawk's Pro Skater is like the best place to hear of the bands you like though. Oh, totally. It was a it was a whole like vibe. It was great. <laughs> also, that game still holds up. We bought oh, it yeah. when it got remastered and mm-hmm. like it's so fun. Man. I remember when I almost beat Tony Hawk's Underground. I loved Underground. And I could, I never beat it. Like, I couldn't get past the final thing to do. And I just, like, eventually gave up. I was like, well, this is never going to happen without a cheat code. So I'm just not doing it. That's, like, my nightmare with video games. There are so many video games that I've come back to in my adult life that I'm like, oh, I can play this now. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask, what was y'all's first concerts? So I'm pretty sure my first concert might have been... I don't remember which one I saw first, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. Because, mm. like, I don't remember my family taking me to that kind of stuff. Like, they took me yeah. to theater. Mm. Like, You're I was, cultured. like, I was cultured. I was seven, I think, <laughs> the first time we went to Phantom of the Opera. And there's, like, pictures of me. And I had little velvet scrunchies on my wrists as jewelry. Oh, my God. And I had to, cute. like. I had to sit in the little booster seat because I was too short. But then I got scared of the show and we had to leave at intermission. <laughs> so I got all dressed up for nothing. That was so freaking cute. <laughs> so not counting um, Catholic things that my parents took me to, like um, just one really specific person who I'm pretty sure is a monk who like also sings and has CDs. Like we went to that and I was like nine <laughs> Um, but if it wasn't that I was, God, 14 or 15, Ari, you were at this concert too. 
Was it a Bench Sevenfold? In Coheed and Cambria, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we went to that concert and it was like us and two other friends and our friend's mom was driving us and we didn't tell our parents that no parents were going to be with us. Oh, no. You tried to do like the the, the switcheroo. <laughs> yeah. So Mia's mom dropped us off and then we like went to the show. Amazing time. Got bruises, whatever. Like got back to get picked up, at which point Mary's mom found out that there were no parents with us and brought us back to her house and then told my dad there were no parents with us. Of course, because it always ends that way. Like, all and the I got in trouble. always find out. Well, of course. I, like, every parent always knows. Like, that's just how it happens. <laughs> yeah. That was also at, um, it, back when it was Hi Fi Buys Amphitheater. Yeah. That's so long ago. And, we got in trouble with Mia's parents too because we went out the wrong door when we left because there's two entrances and they like they don't connect to each other. So uh, we went out the wrong way and they couldn't find us and got really mad. And then my mom was somehow like sh- this is like she's never chill. My mom is not chill. She's not a cool mom. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, because we got yelled at by Mia's parents. She decided not to yell at us, but then she did the thing where she told your dad that we had no chaperones. Yeah. Man. Whoops. Savage. I love it. Yeah. It took me a very long time to go see a concert and I, I don't know why. Cause my mom is very into music, but like we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So it doesn't surprise me that like we didn't go, like my mom wouldn't just buy me concert tickets, but yeah, then when I went to the Good Charlotte concert, it was because my my best friend at the time wanted to go. And so I was like, okay. And my mom was like, wait, who? And she had to listen to the whole album. And she had to, like, approve it oh and all God. this stuff. I was like, mom, I'm 13. I am grown. <laughs> Ugh, I had to beg to go to that show. Yeah. Like, I feel like I didn't know I was going to get to go until, like, two days before. And... Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I could not believe that my mom let me do a thing. It was, like, (laughs) wild. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm in the same boat. Like, it was crazy. And I don't think – I don't remember, like, the next concert I went to. I think it was a long time before I went to a concert that wasn't a Christian concert. (laughs) So – but then, boy, like, once I was able to make my own decisions and do my own thing, I went to so many concerts. And I loved every minute of it. And I have missed concerts. I miss yeah. concerts so much. Me too. Gosh. I'm going yeah, to one like, on my uh, five-year wedding anniversary. Aw. <laughs> what do you think? It's okay. Um, it's one of my favorite bands ever. It's called Laney, and it's spelled a L A N Y. and they just announced their tour like last week. And so me, Nate, Shelby, and Sharif are going. And Fun. yeah, then hopefully me and Nate are going to go like on a little mountain vacay after that, but yeah, it's my first concert, and it's at Chastain, and I've never been at Chastain. I've never been to Chastain either. Is that the amphitheater? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I think I saw a brand new and modest mouse there. Ooh. Yeah, that was a fun show. Yeah, I'm pumped. So, yeah, I guess none of us has ever seen the Rolling Stones. Well, I've has seen any- Mick Jagger. So That's fair. You did say that, close yeah. Enough. Close enough. Close enough. That's all I got. I don't have another segue to get us back to the show. <laughs> well, I do have one quote of the week, 
and it is the only quote that is quotable in in this entire episode. Is it? I don't think they'd consider you for the swimsuit edition. That's only because they'd never seen me in a thong. It sure is. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only quote I wrote down. I think it's the only. Well, I wrote down another one, but it was because. Uh, well, maybe did I write it down? Oh, I did not write it down, but there's I I do actually have a moment of the week because we didn't talk about it. And so now Ooh. I have to bring it back. Um we forgot to talk about Jim dancing to the Rolling Stones and for some reason being an aphrodisiac and wanting Cindy to undress and dance with him. So they start to undo their shirts and they're like making out. Cindy does a shimmy that I was very like uncomfortable, but also like, yes, Cindy, you'd go for it. <laughs> I think what was so weird about that scene is like we so very clearly identify them as parents and not as like sexual beings, I guess. Like yes. when she started like undoing her little sweater, <laughs> it's just like, Cindy, no, you're a mom. You're cold. <laughs> Ma'am. Suggestive. And it wasn't like anything underneath was all that revealing. <laughs> it was like, like a t-shirt. She had on another sweater underneath. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but but Val's face, I wish I could have screen capped it. We should do that for our Instagram post is like screen cap her face when she sees what's happening. <laughs> I, just, oh, I oh. love so much that she's like, no, I'm just studying. I'm going upstairs. I'm going to go study. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> So good. So that was my moment. Yeah. My moment is just Jesse being like, what if we just threw this whole thing away? And the judge being like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> That's an excellent <laughs> point. <laughs> my moment is when Steve does the little hair flip. Oh, yeah. Uh, and him in just the ice cream outfit. Yes. I He's so dramatic at times. And like that head thing that he does is the best dramatic thing he ever does. Right? Like... No, he was a whiny little butthole for most of this episode, mm -hmm. but that moment. And I think this is the first scene that we've seen, like, him and Dylan even considering talking to each other since the intervention, which I'm sure was really weird. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, no, that little, like, hair flip and, like, run away. <laughs> and his little cackle. <laughs> I love him so much. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Well, since this was clearly the most expensive bottle episode to ever exist, what's going on next week? Next week, we have season five, episode 13, Up in Flames. I mean, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, I will say, just based on the little bit of the synopsis I just read, we are in for a treat. Oh. An unexpected treat. I hope Brenda shows up and burns something <laughs> down. <laughs> or Emily Valentine. <gasps> we shall see. Can Emily and Brenda team up and burn something together? I'm telling you. Oh, my God. They show up with Valerie, and then Valerie's just like, oh, I just really want some pot. And then they go set something on fire. That would also be good. If we can't get Brenda, Valerie's a nice substitute. Yeah. So that's next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to Podcast. 
Shoot us over an email about your Rolling Stones opinions or also tell us what your first concert was or just your best concert. I'm also intrigued by that. Um, do that <laughs> via email at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And I will also accept musical hot takes. Yes, all the musical hot takes. Caitlin, I just realized you're Ted Lasso. First concert, best concert. Oh, <laughs> I'm not mad about that. I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> I like just rewatched the show before the new season aired. So as soon as you said like your first concert and your best concert, I was like, Ted, <laughs> jump back. <laughs> um, and yeah, don't forget to go into your podcast app, rate, review, like, subscribe, you know, all those different things. All that really helps us. Like it helps us get seen. It was us up on the ratings so that other people can find us and like join this discourse and then we hear about more people's really fun concert experiences and if you leave us a review we'll give you a shout out on the pod which speaking of don't we have a shout out to give oh yeah we have an instagram comment we have a comment and a shout out for Nicole underscore read 2517. It says, love this podcast. I just discovered it and love all the reminiscing about the episodes. Are you watching the show for the first time or longtime fans? It's so much fun listening to the podcast with two clapping emojis. Uh, thank you, Nicole underscore read 2517. I'll just say, uh, number one, thank you for listening. And we're super glad that you're enjoying it. I have watched the show but as you will find out or have found out, I have a horrible memory. So there are things I remember, weird things, things I don't remember, things I should remember. Uh, but it's first go around for Mary and Ariel. So it's a little bit of a combo there. Yeah, I responded to the comment. And even as I was responding, I was like, do I say Caitlin's watched this show before? <laughs> it's like she <laughs> hasn't. <laughs> it's like it's a new experience for all of us. Absolutely. But yeah, like I said in the response i'm a forever fan now oh yeah like, no joke i bought the ultimate collection i'm here <laughs> we are in it uh so yeah if you leave us comments and send us emails and reviews and all that kind of stuff we'll shout you out too so go do that thing while you're listening to us right now and from all of us at back to podcast i'm a constitutional review board that meets on Friday nights. I'm the Cindy Shimmy. <laughs> and I don't like Pearl Jam either. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See ya. <laughs>